Okay, I uh, welcome everybody. It's 9.30. We're going to try to, uh, we'll try to start at 9.30-ish. Um, all right, this year, well, this first, well, yeah, this year, 2015, who knows if it will go past 2015, we're going to be uh, studying Jesus films. Jesus films and the Gospels. And one of the things that Pastor Bukes and I would like to do is um, we're going to use one movie as kind of our baseline. And that is the movie titled Jesus of Nazareth. It technically wasn't a, a movie played in theaters, but was in fact uh, a, a TV miniseries. Um, I, it, I think it might still be played on TV. It's from 1977. Robert Powell uh, will watch a scene from it. Uh, he's got the bright blue eyes, and he's, I mean, he's like, uh, he's very, very uh, memorable. Um, the reason why we're going to use that as a baseline is because it's the, it's the longest Jesus movie, or again, I'm just going to use that word movie loosely, uh, out there. And so I think a lot of people have seen it, all right? So maybe you might not, I mean, I've seen, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, because you read the Bible, but um, the, the film, when maybe when we watch a, a scene from there, it will conjure up. And we're going to use that as a baseline, not because I think it's the most faithful, or it depends on how you understand faithful anyways, but um, just so that we kind of have a frame of reference to kind of... Uh, the second thing is is that we would love to kind of show part of that movie like before 9.30. Come here, we're just going to have the movie rolling, 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Um, I, uh, I'm okay with actually showing the movie afterwards. I know for you know moms it's going to be a little difficult, but... Um, and uh, unfortunately I can't like give you the movie because... I need it. It's, uh, it is available at the library. Just until like two weeks ago, it was available on Netflix streaming. So that's a bummer for those Netflix people. Although the, the version on Netflix was about half the length. So it, was only, it was only three hours. The other one, it's like six hours. So, Okay. So, um, so there you go. That, that, that's just kind of a, a, you know, something to, Kind of think about in terms of if you want to. Yes? Actually, this is very. Okay, anyways. Um, all right, why, why do the study? For, uh, I have to admit, now Mary already knows this, and uh, I think Holly and maybe a few others. When this idea came up in the life together, everyone presumed it was my idea. It's not my idea, it's Pastor Buke's idea. Okay. I, I guess so, it's just kind of just around. It's in the air now. Um, why, why, uh, why, why do we study Jesus' film when we already have the Gospels? Why, why are we doing this? Uh, it, mainly two reasons. It helps us actually in reading the Bible, and then it helps us actually telling the story. What uh, film can do, it, it can create dissonance between what we perceive to be the story and then the film's telling of the story. And that, uh, the dissonance, which isn't bad... Uh, creates space to explore the meaning of what Jesus says and does in a modern context. So we'll, we'll be taking a look at uh, several short clips from films and seeing that, I mean, there's all different kinds of Jesuses out there. And um, they tell each kind of pericope in, in a, their own unique way. And so as we watch these clips hopefully we'll be kind of challenged to say, I never thought of that, or I never imagined it looking like that. And then that will help us to also um, kind of read the Bible. Because I have a feeling when we imagine what Jesus looks like, it is highly influenced by either paintings or film. You know? And so I think as we kind of explore Jesus' film, it might challenge kind of our own preconceived ideas of who Jesus is. Uh, for a benefit. I mean, this is kind of a safe environment to do that. Uh, and, um, and then also, when we... So, so our familiarity with the Gospels, I believe, inhibit us 
to receive the full meaning of the Gospels. How it usually gets played out for junior hires is, oh, I already know this. Okay, that's when I just want to stop teaching confirmation, because, <laughs> oh, okay, you got it. Um, but, but, of course, we know that's not true. So, so as we kind of, uh, especially as we kind of focus in on that one film, uh, we're going to try to kind of open ourselves up to kind of evaluate it. And actually, with Jesus and Nazareth, what we'll find out is maybe it's too easy of a movie to watch. And that might be a problem. Okay. So, uh, so, so finding movies that uh, might be like, hey, that's not how it happened, might be a good thing for us. Second, and then in telling the story, how, how we tell the story is, is if we are familiar with these films, we're, we're actually creating a kind of a lexicon or image or a picture where we can just you know, talk about Jesus in a way that uh, might be more applicable to the cultural context. We'll take a look at one movie by Cecil DeMille, famous for Ten Commandments. Uh, it's called The King of Kings. It's a silent film. I don't think any of us are going to probably use that image of Jesus as we talk about Jesus with others. I mean, not intentionally, anyways, because, well, we'll take a look. We'll find out why. So as we study this, um, in fact, I, uh, well, kind of, we're not going to really look at that film too much, but the film that came out, uh, I think, 2014 or 13, depending on how you, the, the Son of God film with uh, the very kind of Ken-looking Jesus. <laughs> uh, very nice. I mean, he's a Portuguese actor. I mean, very... I, I mean, he was really pretty, wasn't he? I mean, it was kind of... So, um, you know, even even some of us, you know, who are kind of like, ah, yeah, it's probably not quite right. So, I mean, it's not... We're, we're not going to probably use that image as, as we... Kind of talk to others about Jesus. I, I like the Bible series, by the way. I just his 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 very emotional Jesus. He's kind of you know bite your bottom lip kind of Jesus. All right. So part of this though is how you watch a movie, and one of the things is is that I, I kind of the way I, I think it's probably helpful for us is that as with the great the, the amount of uh, uh, attention and focus and intensity as we read Holy Scripture, let's try to put that towards the movie. Not that the movie is Holy Scripture or even attempting to. We'll find out a movie that's a Jesus movie is right at the beginning. We'll find out it's fiction, which, of course, then causes us to wonder, well, is it really a Jesus movie? Um, uh, so we want to we wanna approach these films uh, with that intensity, and the reason why we do that is because I think, well, my favorite movie that we'll kind of take a look at today of Jesus movies uh, is an Italian film, The Gospel of Matthew, and it re- probably requires the most effort, not just reading the subtitles, but actually participating in the story. It requires you to really be attentive when you're not, again, how it usually comes out is, this is boring. Uh, it's actually not boring. It's actually very interesting and engaging. Um, but you've got to put the effort into it. So, uh, and, and that's kind of the struggle, I think, with some of the Jesus movies, is that we, d- we like to watch Jesus movies that require no effort. All right? Just like when we read the Bible, we don't like to read the parts that challenge us. We like the parts that make us feel good. It's just nature, right? It's human nature. Um, you know, I mean, when we read the Beatitudes about, you know, whatever. Hey, okay, you, you, know, you, know, you know those parts you don't like reading. So, um, all right, so how you watch a movie, you want to do it with intensity, kind of pay attention. Don't let your brain turn off. Okay, great. Uh, the reason why I say this is because... Uh, some of you might have been at this movie that I showed my first year as a pastor here. This story has been told many times by me. It's an Andrei Tarkovsky movie, the, one of the greatest directors of all time. It's called The Sacrifice. 
Russian director, Swedish film, brilliant film. Um, we showed it on a Friday night. We had a Wheaton College art professor kind of lead a discussion briefly. And then on Saturday morning, we were going to get together and do a Saturday seminar. Remember when we used to do those here at St. John? Okay. There was like 60 people at the film, 12 at the Saturday seminar. <laughs> and I remember uh, Mildred Constein say to me, say, uh, I go to a movie to, for entertainment. This movie was not entertainment. Uh, she actually, I mean, she came, obviously, to Saturday. She was actually very interested in it. But I think that was the first time. I mean, does anyone know how old Mildred Constein is? Yeah, okay, so she's 90 years old. Well, this would have been, so she would have been early 80s then. So she spent 82 years watching movies thinking, just from one perspective, and now she's been, she was opened up to a whole new world. So, which I'm sure she hasn't entered into that world ever again, but. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, so that challenge to how, how, how you watch a movie. And again, I, again for me, it, me personally, Watching film also challenges me how I read the Bible. All right, so now what is the point of a Jesus film? Uh, some people see it purely as a biopic, and most of the films that we take a look at will be like that. Um, but some are allegory, and I just mentioned the two that we kind of really will focus on. is Jesus of Montreal and The Last Temptation of Christ. Um, those do not make any attempts to kind of represent the story of Jesus. However... The story of Jesus is pervasive in those movies, and we'll, we'll kind of take a look at it uh, briefly today. Um, anyways, so the thing is, though, whether it's a biopic or an allegory, instantaneously when we think it's an allegory, oh, this isn't, like, realistic, or this isn't the way it went, or this isn't how it goes. Well, actually, the biopic has as much chance to be faithful to the story or unfaithful to the story as the allegory, actually. And so we'll kind of take a look at that throughout the year. So you'll find me, and, and Pastor Bukes maybe, but uh, me like showing films from Jesus of Montreal, which has, seems to be not related to like the Bible passage we're going to take a look at. But it, I think it does. All right. Um, and so that really challenges us. What is the nature of a faithful portrayal? What is the nature of a faithful portrayal? And I actually have, t uh, so the same time as The Passion of the Christ came out, there was also another movie called The Gospel of John. All right, and we're going to, all right, that's all you need to see in order, I think, to get a good representation of, all right, so did, were you able to read that, by the way? All right, so the last line was, this is a faithful representation now, can you say, yes, it was? Or, I mean, even without, just from the beginning of the, of the video, could you say, well, is that actually true? Well, yeah, it's actually a word-for-word. Word. It's a different translation. It's the, I can't remember what translation is. But what did the film already do to you with the words on the screen? Uh, both, actually. Primarily before, though. It's setting the scene with... What is it already telling you? It's telling... One thing, one thing it's telling me is that um, it was written they say two generations after... Right. Okay, so it already is telling you how, how to think about the film already. And the music was very... Ooh, yeah. So, um, I, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very interesting thing. So now you have to ask yourself, is this a faithful representation? Because when I open my Bible to John chapter 1, what will I not have? I won't have that introduction telling me this is a polemic. So, and I won't obviously have the music. Right. So this is kind of an interesting thing. Now, 
the, the film in the marketing material says it's a word for word, and it is. I actually enjoy this film quite a bit. But when it said a faithful, re- this is a faithful representation, most of us think, what do we think about when we think of the word faithful representation? What, what do we think of? Okay, what does that mean, though? Yeah, what are the facts, though? That's right. Avoid of... Now, but what, if, what does that mean? Avoid of what? Say it even more simple. When you say pol- politics or polemics, what are, the, what are the people who are making the movie already doing to the Bible? Interpreting it for you. So this is a very interesting thing. As we watch movies and as we enter into the biblical... Uh, the Gospels, and we're only going to stick with the Gospels, um, we have to ask ourselves... What are we bringing to the Bible that's already, uh, that's already kind of maybe fixing the interpretation or fixing the game? Now, I don't happen to necessarily disagree with what was up on the screen, but for me, when it says it's a faithful representation, I don't know exactly if that's true because it's, our, it, it's not really faithful to the text because the text doesn't come with an introduction. The the word the word the well the introduction is actually the words on the page, John chapter one one through fourteen is already the introduction to the gospel itself, so they've actually started the movie not with the, the accurate facts, but with the interpretation. So you actually enter into the movie once removed from the material. Nancy. Right. And often we do put Jesus in 20th century context because that's all we know. Well, that's exactly right. And so what I, wanna, I want us to kind of think about is I'm going to show you another, what I find a very faithful representation. But I think most people would say, that's not in the Bible. We really don't need any sound for this one. All right, it's enough. I think you got it. All right, this is uh, King of Kings, 1927, silent film uh, by Cecil DeMille. And he explained, what, is, what does he want the movie to be? A reverent portrayal, a faithful portrayal. But when he starts the story of Jesus, who does he start with? Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene in this sumptuous feast. Scandalous, actually. Uh, and now, not only that, Mary Magdalene is in a relationship with none other than, anyone want to take a wild guess? Not Jesus. Not King Herod. The least, kind of the, kind of the guy that is in the all four Gospels that you would least expect her to be in. Because he's kind of like a bad guy. Judas Iscariot. He was in the movie. He's very, yeah, he's very, very distinguished looking. All right, so here's the thing. Right, so, well, yeah, see, he's a, he's a, he's a yeah, see, because in the movie, he's a very distinguished looking man. That's how I know he was. Um, now, the thing is, is that Cecil DeMille uh, goes to great pains to, in that, during 1927, in that time, to get uh, from pastors, theologians, bishops, approval of the movie. So that, I mean, he's, he's got tons of people who say this is a faithful you know, portrayal of Jesus. But in fact, it's, it's, a, it's a hodgepodge of, he, he takes some Bible verses from over here, sticks them here. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. But So the idea, though, as you watch it, though, it is very faithful. I mean, you can tell that the director, Cecil DeMille, is trying to tell a story that is kind of true to the story of Jesus in the Gospels without being what we would say, like, accurate, okay? Um, and I think this is very important for us as we kind of think about when we watch film is that uh, when we think about what's faithful, 
it might be more than what we think about in terms of facts, uh, words on the page, and even the order. The reason why that is is because if you believe that, then you're going to run into trouble when you read the Gospels themselves. And why would that be? Why would you, you would actually, you're actually creating crisis in your own faith if you hold that the, the, the movie needs to follow accurately this one way. Because the Gospels aren't that way. There is not one. There's four Gospels. And the, so you, have a, you kind of a, have a very rich perspective of who Jesus is. But when you read all four Gospels, even though they're uh, kind of different ways of telling the story, you don't come up and say, oh, my word, this is a different Jesus. I mean, this is the beauty of the Gospels, is that you can read all four Gospels and then say, hey, this is the same Jesus, even though... In the Gospel of John, he cleanses the temple in chapter 2, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he cleanses it at the end. And Gospel of John, he's always going to Jerusalem, but in Mark, he goes one time. Well, I can't, I mean, is that, so what, what happens? Now, of course, we don't really like to explore those questions, so we just say, well, I, you know, we just kind of explain it away, right? We just kind of like, because we don't want to really think hard about that. But as we think hard about it, then the richness of the story itself opens up. And then, uh, at the same time, we can be comfortable with maybe, perhaps, a little tension. I don't know if you have any tension in your life. <laughs> but when I read the Gospels, and I have this, I come across these different perspectives on what I perceive to be the same event, I'm say, I just have to say, that's okay. I'm okay. I'm okay with the fact that uh, in the Gospel of Mark, oh, which, okay, so in chapel we read from Mark chapter 8. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, you know, who do people say I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Now, in the Gospel of Mark, so there, we're, we're always having a, a question about who Jesus is. All four Gospels have this, but they, they don't really all do it the same way. Matthew, when Peter confesses Jesus to be the Christ, what is, does anyone remember what Jesus says to him? He, does, he says something different than Mark. I mean, I'd be surprised if you remember. So, it's, I mean... Um, he says, uh, no man has revealed this to you, but my Father. So you have Peter confessing who Jesus is, and it seems to be a very, this is a positive thing. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus says, hey, you got to be, that's right, that's who I am. And Mark, Jesus says, just tells him, be quiet, don't talk about this. And, it, and it's because in Mark, they don't, they still don't understand Jesus. So he doesn't want to go around, he doesn't want them going around telling people who they think he is, because who they think he is is different than who he really is. Okay. It's a little bit peculiar. But if you take the whole story as a whole, Matthew is, is telling the story of Jesus differently than Mark is telling the story. But they are both faithful portrayals, which of course we all believe, because we're Christians. I mean, yeah. Okay. So I, I just want I just want us to not turn off our brain when we see something. We're like, that didn't that didn't happen that way. I'm not, I don't have to watch this. Well, actually, you should. Okay. All right. Now we got a lot of Jesuses in films, and I have some pictures. I got a lot of pictures here. The King of Kings, 1927, on the bottom of that first page there. Um, we have the Sacred Heart of Jesus on the left, and then we have the, the image of Jesus on the right from the movie, and they are unusually similar. Well, that image for the Sacred Heart of Jesus is very popular in Catholicism, but that kind of that genre of uh, artwork is is pr- pretty popular around. I mean, you can still see, you go to Wheaton Religious and you'll see that kind of kind of warm glow sort of Jesus look. Um, obviously. In 1927, it was uh, black and white, so they couldn't have that warm glow. 
but they do use the glow in the uh, um, film a lot. We'll actually take a look at that in a second. Uh, and then the next image of Jesus is uh, Warner Solomon, high school graduation Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's his, his senior portrait Jesus. Well, that's great. So actually, Jan, oh, so my whole point was is that 1927, you have the rise of this, this kind of uh, warm, glowy Jesus, and you have Cecil DeMille using what is very popular at the same time to kind of, kind of inform his image of Jesus. Uh, King of Kings, the 1961, Jan, you grew up with high school graduation Jesus, and lo and behold, Jeff, I think it's Jeff Hunter, I think his name is Jeff Hunter. Yeah. Uh, actually, he was, he, he, uh, he, there was actually something, uh, this is teenager Jesus. A lot of the critics told him, even though he's like, he's like, uh, I mean, he's like in his late 30s, maybe early 40s in this. But he, I mean, he looks really young. They, uh, they kind of lambasted his performance as being teenager Jesus. So there's an irony, right? High school graduation Jesus, teenager Jesus. College graduation. No, I, that's, well. Um, so, uh, you know, those are images of, of Jesus that you have, how they're highly uh, influenced by kind of the cultural milieu that they're in. And, um, and, and that's okay, right? I mean, like Jan says, I grew up with this Jesus. That's okay. However... We, I mean, Jan, even when she was young, would probably say, well, that is just a, you know, that's not really Jesus. But that sort of Jesus informs how we kind of understand him. Okay? And Jeff Hunter in The King of Kings, which I think a lot of people have not seen. It's, it wasn't really that well received in terms of Jesus movies. Um, it, it was almost kind of like, okay, I don't want to say laughable, but people were, people were really kind of critical of it. So if you happen to like it, that's great. I mean, I, I think it's very interesting from a kind of an academic perspective. Uh, now the next one, Gospel According to Matthew, 1964, is the Italian vi- film. Look at that, Jesus. Yeah, and he doesn't even have a beard. Yeah, he's, he, it's, a, it's a black and white, and it's a black... Um, I guess shawl. I don't know. Do men wear shawls? I mean, and then uh, the white robe underneath. Um, his hair is long, although it's can't. But he, he was he was really he has a really high forehead. He had hardly a beard. And yeah, we do have time. Um, yeah, let's just watch his acting for one second. I'm going to really try to control myself from being too excited about certain things. So this is a scene from the Gospel of Matthew. Oh, and by the way, well, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell about that in a second. Um, where, well, yeah, you can figure it out. Uh, okay, so it is in Italian, so you've got to read the subtitles, and sometimes the black and white is hard to read. I think you get the picture. In fact, it's better if you actually don't even read it. But All right, so what's interesting about this film is the fact is, is that it is a word-for-word word, uh Word for word, I mean, all the words that are up there are from the Bible, and they're not kind of reworked. I mean, in terms of the scenes from the film, though, are, are a little bit out of order. And one, one scene from the Gospel of Matthew is missing is the transfiguration. Okay, now what does that mean? So, take a look at that Jesus. What, what, what do you make of that guy? Oh, yeah. Now, what is he angry about? Is it the people, or is it a certain kind of people? Yes, the funny hats. Now, uh, that, that, is, uh, that was uh, 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 Pasolini's use of kind of, um, those are the publicans, I mean, not, not, uh, the Pharisees, I mean. Those are the Pharisees, Sadducees. They, uh, now, the thing is, though, his use of the camera work, which I'm not going to get too involved in, is quite clear, right? So when you look at Jesus talking from a wider angle, who's all on his side? 
the children, kind of, and, and uh, just kind of regular people, right? And then, but you never see the, the uh, Pharisees and Jesus in the same frame. So you're always looking at them, and look, so there's a big gap between the two. And whose side is Jesus on? The people's side. This is, this, is a, uh, this is the people, Jesus. Now, the thing is, though, about his acting itself was, is that he, yes, so he kind of is like, I'm going to tell you, hey, I'll answer your question. And all of a sudden, he, what, kicks it up a notch, right? And he gets angry. What's funny is, is that in the Sermon on the Mount, when he delivers that, well, actually, well, I don't know if I will or, or Pastor Beeks, but we'll explore the Sermon on the Mount in these films. So I'm kind of giving it ahead. Is that, he delivers it with great passion. He is, it's almost like he's like, he's angry. And, it, and it's very forth, forceful. But when he is dealing with, obviously, children, he, he attracts the children. He attracts, so you have this very kind of, kind of a very earthy portrayal of Jesus. Now, the, uh, the actor who played Jesus was, in fact, not an actor. He was a Spanish economics student who the director found and said, I think he would be great as Jesus. This is his first acting gig. Well, this is what, well, this is what he was trying to do, though. The director was trying to do something where he was portraying a Jesus. So you have this kind of tension going on. So, okay, so anyway, so you, uh, there, there you go. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Now, the next film is The Greatest Story Ever Told, and you have Max von Snowden in that one. Does anyone know who that is? Yeah, that's right. Igmar Bergman's actor, Seventh Seal, awesome, lovely films. Anyways, he plays Jesus. Um, it's kind of hard to tell from the picture. Does anyone remember that movie? Yeah. The, so you're you're thinking, hey, I'm I'm looking at some Renaissance church, and then all of a sudden it slowly comes down, and you ask yourself, wait, is that? Wait a second. Is that really that old? It's not. It's Max von Soden. I mean, that's his character. That's what he looks like in, in the film. Um, but what kind of Jesus is this, based on the words and just the images that you see? I mean, relatively speaking, compared to the uh, Gospel of Matthew, is he, is he one of the people? No. He... he it's kind of spooky. Well, that's interesting that you say that. I, I never thought about it. What is he, what is he, uh, what was the voiceover, what was he quoting? What, what gospel? John. Well, yeah, he, I mean, he kind of was a loose, but not too much. I mean, it was it clearly, hey, this guy's reciting from John. And the image of Jesus was what? I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit hard to tell because, yeah, resurrection or what, what's in the background? Is it the normal people and the children? Or was it, it was clouds, it was the sky. Jesus is big as, yeah, the universe. So you have a Jesus in this film. Is he going to be the one that's going to be advocating for the small guy here? Well, yes and no. I mean, the thing is, is he still going to die at the end of the movie and resurrect? Yes, he will. There's some Jesus movies that don't have that, but... Um, he will. So, so it's not like you're like, oh, man, this is not necessarily like the... However, his acting is this sort of Jesus that kind of connects, kind of... There's a big gap between the people and him versus the Gospel of Matthew where the gap is between the Pharisees and the jerks and everybody else. So... Um, uh, and you already get that from the beginning of the movie, from the greatest story ever told. In fact, all the movie Jesus movies, you can probably figure out where the story is going just from the beginning of the film, the introduction of the film. So we'll actually, if we have time, we'll take a little bit more. Uh, the last one is Jesus of Nazareth. Um, that's the one that we'll be kind of utilizing this, this uh, study. And he, th- do you guys recognize that guy, by the way? Jesus of Nazareth, 1977. I'll just, we're not going to play this scene just because I don't think we need to. But um, 
Okay, so this Jesus of Nazareth is uh, a very interesting portrayal because obviously, I mean, he's got the very distinguished look with those blue eyes and kind of sunken face. Um, you know, I think he looks like the Jesus we all think of. <laughs> for better, for worse. Oh, yeah, right. So, um, and, that, and that's partly the reason why we picked that story was because I, th- I just kind of said, you know, I think most people, when they think of Jesus, they think of this story. They think of this rendition. Um, he, uh, though, he is a very interesting, well, actually, we could probably figure this out. I think I have, uh, oh, the last temptation of Christ scene. Those are his real eyes, though. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think it was the character. Those eyes are, they enrapture you. Robert Powell, his name is. Yeah, when you ever play Jesus, uh, you're kind of destined towards a certain kind of career. Robert Powell, I think, had uh, some parts on a BBC, like, detective show after this, but he pretty much, <laughs> that, was it. that was it, yeah. Well, it was so popular. I mean, this is kind of a funny thing. The thing about Jesus of Nazareth, historically speaking, was there was a great rise in something called the Jesus Seminar, which is a, uh, a group of professors who are maybe Christian that uh, kind of they kind of look through the Gospels and say, "Yeah, that probably that probably that happened. That probably happened. That maybe not happened, and that definitely didn't happen." And they go around and they kind of talk about certain things. So um, miracles are out. And uh, so what was funny was that was becoming a huge question amongst kind of theological faculties already in the 60s and 70s. And then you have this story, which is like the exact opposite. And it was wildly successful. In fact, at BBC, uh, when they showed this in... It's a British film, but I mean, it was kind of uh, all over the world. But uh, they had they had these two kind of films about Jesus. One kind of led by uh, more uh, the Jesus Seminar people, like we're going to explore what really, who really was Jesus. And then this this Jesus of Nazareth, and one like failed miserably, and the other one was wildly popular. So uh, it, it really demonstrated people's piety at that time. It was something that they, they, uh, they wanted a Jesus who was, at the time, uh, familiar, but at the same time not so familiar. And Jesus in this film is, now, so 1977, it's in the wake of what? What was kind of a world event at that time? Yeah, Vietnam. And you have Jesus, who's he's a he's a he's a pretty he's he's anti-war in this movie, uh, but it's very noble, and so uh, many people resonate with that, of course. Um, okay, uh, the Last Temptation of Christ is not a Jesus movie in the strict sense. In fact, there is a disclaimer at the beginning of the movie. which I find very ironic because I remember when I was a kid and this came out, I remember my pastor going on the news condemning this movie in Wausau, Wisconsin. Pastor Krentz. Um, and so I thought, oh, man, this is a terrible movie. I can never watch this. Uh, so when I uh, got my rebellious stage, of course, I had to watch it. I mean, some people do drugs. I watched The Last Temptation of Jesus. The um, what we find out though in the film is in the beginning of the film it says it's a there's a the, first of all this was a book before a movie written by a Polish author and it's a quote from the book of this the author says you know I've had this struggle between spirit and flesh my entire life and I struggle with this all the time. And this is basically one of the reasons why he wrote this book, is to kind of explore this. Well, 
I don't, I mean, I, I struggle with that same thing all the time too. Spirit in the flesh. So maybe perhaps this is, this would be something we should be kind of interested in seeing how he utilizes this character, Jesus Christ, to help us, or to, to kind of help him explore this war. He said, it, it's, it's a nice quote. Um, and then Martin Scorsese, who's the director, says, this is, a, this is not a story of the Gospels. It is a fictionalized story. Okay, so all of us, when we watch this, already should we, should we not get upset if something is not quite right? Pretty much, right? I mean, he's kind of said, hey, this is fiction. I mean, I don't, read, I don't read Tolkien, you know, the Lord of the Rings, and say, oh, man, there's no such thing as orcs. <laughs> Stupid. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to... Man, you know there's people like that, right? I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, whether you like fantasy or not, I mean, it's it's fantasy. I mean, you can't be like upset that it's not realistic. It's taking something though that is so controversial, right? Yes. Well, that's 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 maybe not quite the case because it, is it, if it's fiction, does that mean it's not true? We've had this conversation, haven't we, before? What is, well, actually, Lord of the Rings. What's true about Lord of the Rings? Good and evil. That's a true story. It tells truth. Um, and in this film, The Last Temptation of Christ, I believe it also tells truth. Actually, I'm just going to play this real quick. Well, it is about Jesus, but it isn't about Jesus. It creates a speculation, which I, uh, can you, did, did you guys read that? Is, that? is that a true statement? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there might be more to it, but I don't think that's a lie. My soul is the arena where these two armies have clashed and met. That's, that's a really nice way of putting it. <laughs> okay, oof. All right, uh. So the last temptation, it's fictionalized, but the statement that it starts out with is true. There's this spiritual conflict going on in our souls. And the director, Martin Scorsese, uses this, this kind of, this novel to kind of explore this true scenario, but fictionalizing something that we all consider true, which is peculiar. I mean, it's a peculiar way of understanding. That's why a lot of people were afraid of the movie. Now, Jesus in this opening scene he, he's actually describing what happens throughout the movie. There's a temptation. What does he describe? That something starts out sweet and lovely, and then it gets painful. What, is he, what, what could he be describing there? Uh, think, about, think about Jesus and the struggle and the conflict all at once. Think about all that. Holly. I'm not What, who, who could he be describing? It's, it's close. Who could he be describing as something that's nice and sweet and then ourselves? Satan himself. And so what we find out is that right, right in the beginning of this movie, is so, but this struggle against Satan, is it mainly the divine nature of Jesus or the human nature of Jesus? Yes. So, the last temptation of Christ, in a nutshell, is the temptation to remain only human and deny his, his, his divinity. Now, the thing is, though, is that, so you have this great struggle of 
this character wondering he's been called by God to do something that seems to be completely supernatural and yet at the same time he is a human being uh, that's why I, I think the story is very I, I actually enjoy this movie quite quite a bit because it challenges me to think about the humanity of Jesus and when I read the Gospels and I read the temptations of Christ at the beginning of the Synoptics or even his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, a little part of me is uncomfortable with him actually struggling and experiencing pain and suffering. I want the divinity of Jesus to come through and say, hey, everything's going to be okay. The greatest story ever told, the Max von Snowden Jesus, I can watch that. That's no problem. I, I have no problem with that because I know what's going to happen. It's, 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 it's a done deal already. You're watching this film and you're not even sure. Now the thing is though, is that, I, I'm just going to give it away, at the very end, Jesus is on the cross and you have this angel come up to him and say, you know what, it's okay. Let's follow, come on, let's come down. Everything's going to be okay. And so, but you don't realize as you're watching this that in fact it's not actually happening. This is all, all happening inside Jesus' soul while he's hanging on the cross. And at the very last second of the movie, he refuses. He, den- he, he says no. And then you go back to the image and Jesus is still on the cross. And he's, he's, he's going to die. It's a powerful image. But it's, it's a great struggle of who Jesus is. All right, so let's, which description goes with which movie we talked about? The Youthful Christ, Teenager Jesus, right? The high school graduation. The Subversive Christ, who would that have been? The Gospel, yeah, the gospel of Matthew. The, the uh, Pacific, I don't know why I wrote that. The Pacifist Christ is the Ocean Christ. I, I think that might, yeah, I don't know what I was saying. Um, that's, uh, that's the Jesus of Nazareth. We didn't spend too much time on that. So uh, the mystical Christ, ooh. No, yeah, that, that was the greatest story ever told, yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess, I, well, yeah, I meant to put cosmic Christ, but that's good enough. Mystical Christ is good, too. Uh, patriarchal Christ, that's actually the first one, C.C. DeMille, which we didn't actually see the image of Jesus. Well, we saw the picture, is that it's, He's just really kind of old-fashioned. Um, and then the human Christ is the last temptation of Christ. But all these films tell things that are true, but at the same time we say, well, that's not quite right. And so as we kind of explore this point of view that the um, director is, is taking, and we take a look at text. So next week we're going to start with the Annunciation. Uh, so if you want to read in the Gospel of Luke, chapter, all of chapter 1. And then in uh, Matthew, you can read all of chapter 1, too, also. And, um, but Mark has no... Mark, Jesus just shows up full, fully grown. Um, so as we take a look at this, so I, I'm just exposing to you all these different kind of presentations of Jesus, and what we find out is there is really no representation of Jesus no one really presents Jesus again without translation and interpretation. Um, and we always must be aware of that as we watch this. Are the heroes and villains simplistic, two-dimensional? Pharisees are always bad. Heroes are always good. There's no struggle. Are the plots simplistic? Romans are there just to kill the Israelites and just, you know, and Jesus is a freedom fighter. Um... Yeah, so do, do some of the Jesus films pander to our temptation to keep things in boxes? A uh, very interesting movie, which we will not look at, is called uh, The King. I don't even know how to say that. Surrey? Surrey? Um, it, was, it was made a couple years ago, and it actually doesn't have a resurrection scene in the film. And Jesus is terrible looking, he's ugly. Like he, he, and it's all intentional. It's very scaled back. It's, 
So uh, you watch that film and you're of, you're offended from the beginning. Yes. Yeah, I uh, Jesus Christ Superstar Godspell. Yeah, those are those are available. Yes, those are available. There's uh, what we find out is there's a lot of Jesus movies, um, and so what we'll find out is uh, you know I don't know it depends on Pastor Bukes and I mood I guess but now that you said that I, I will yes I'll I'll bump those up on my I do want to I do I do want to uh, uh, yeah the uh, um, Jesus Christ well yeah Jesus Christ Superstar is very interesting but. All right. Anywho, um, there you go. We're gonna we're gonna look at movies. Pastor Bukes will start with the Annunciation, and so if you want to read Luke chapter one, Mark, Matthew chapter one, and then come ready to take a look at uh, Jesus of Nazareth, and uh, we'll just yeah we'll go from there. It'll be great. Uh, you know, well, I think around nine ten ish. But it depends on how long the clip is, actually. So I, I'm not quite sure. The Jesus of Nazareth movie, like I said, is like six hours. So, Like Judas doesn't enter the story until hour three. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really fast and loose with the story. Although, of course, everyone's so comfortable with that movie. I find it's very ironic. Like A lot of it's just made up. But we're like, yeah, that's probably true. Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All right, we'll see you next week.